You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello there, welcome along to the OTI Podcast. This is a special edition of the show as I will be joined by Mike Sherman, a man with over 40 years of coaching experience. He's been a head coach for the Packers, he's been a head coach with Texas A&M, among many other coaching roles with teams like the Seattle Seahawks, the Houston Texans and the Miami Dolphins. We'll be talking about one of the new endeavours that he has that will be coming up in the spring of 2018, among a lot of other things. Uh, obviously that'll be coming up in just another minute or two, but as always I want to thank you for coming along and listening to the OTI podcast. It is uh, great to see our listenership grow throughout the season and uh, it is much, much appreciated. I do thank you for all the great support we have received throughout this uh, 2017 NFL season. Of course, if it is your first time listening to the show, you can hit that subscribe button, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcast app you use. You can check it out on all those different ways and all the different ways to listen to the show can simply be found at OvertimeIreland.com. Go to that podcast link or else just type in OvertimeIreland.com forward slash podcast. Gives you all the different links, all the different feeds and uh, gets you set up there. And of course, you can give us a written and review after listening to the show. That does help us with the iTunes rankings or whatever podcast app you do uh, choose as your favorite to do so of course we also have the recommended links and the affiliate links up there on the oti website there is amazon amazon amazon.com amazon uk audible lots of different other options of course with nfl shop europe as well and with that nfl shop europe link you also get 10 percent off your entire order so that is one that a lot of people have been checking out over the last few weeks so with that all said delighted to be joined now on the show by mike sherman a man with over 40 years coaching experience a former head coach of the green bay packers and as a a green bay packers fan i'm delighted to uh, be able to welcome aboard the show so uh, mike thanks for uh, coming on the oti podcast well thanks for having me always a pleasure Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, your call football. It's a groundbreaking live fan play calling uh, game to debut this uh, upcoming spring in 2018. It's something that I, I think is going to be a very interesting uh, new technological development to uh, make the game a little bit more interesting to maybe some fans who don't watch uh, the NFL in general and want to get a little bit more knowledge about how the game is played. Maybe they play versions of video games of American football and so on and so forth. Can you give a little bit of information into what exactly your call football is going to be? Obviously, you're going to be one of the coaches involved. Uh, yes, it's um, it's a game much like uh, the American John Madden game, which is a a video game of football where fans pick their plays against certain defenses and run it, and they kind of play the game from that standpoint. The only difference between our game and that game is the fact that we'll have live players uh, running the plays as opposed to uh, uh, digitized video players. So we're different that way. So the fan picks the play that he wants or she wants to run. It goes up to a satellite, comes back down to the coach's sideline. Uh, and the play that was a majority pick play uh, is the one that's run in the game. The coach calls it into the into the quarterback. He calls it and tells it to the to everybody in the huddle, and then they go run that play. And the, the uh, spectator or really participant who called the play uh, gets points or or uh, negative points for whether the play worked or didn't work. So uh, it's kind of like a live video game is what it is. Uh, They've been working on this in Boston for the last four years, just the tech people. And uh, just recently they invited me to come on board and, and try to bring the football component with me and, uh, and see if we could bring this to the sidelines. So these games will be broadcast live. Uh, Some would consider at home or a local pub and, and play this game 
as it's being played live and be able to actually pick out the plays that he or she would like to see run. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit like taking reality TV, video games, the actual American football game in general, taking it all together, placing it all into to one big bowl and uh, having a very interactive experience. And you mentioned there with the you know the players being on the actual field, uh, the players in this, where are they going to be made up from? Is it kind of NFL hopefuls, maybe some former NFL players? How is it going to work up that the, the teams match up in this? Uh, just as you said, um, players that have been in the NFL that maybe are trying to get back in, uh, players that have graduated from college uh, uh maybe they were in the nfl camp and got cut because there are many numbers or because of an injury so this gives them a chance to showcase themselves to the uh coaches and general managers in the national football league and also canada so uh it's kind of gives them uh, a chance to develop and be seen um uh, by professional scouts and coaches to see if they can make it to the next level and uh, obviously, uh, you know, with it, with the NFL, what do you think uh, your call football offers to an audience? Obviously, the interactive aspect, but different to other TV options and, of course, to the NFL. Well, you know, today's fan, the younger fan, um, they, they like to participate as opposed to spectate. Someone like me likes to sit back in the chair and have a have a cold beer and a <laughs> piece of pizza maybe and watch the ball game with my feet up, but uh um, my kids and um, I'm sure their children as well, my grandchildren, uh, would like to maybe participate a little bit more in the game and in the process. So um, I, I would envision that would be the attraction to them uh, and to that generation. I don't know. For me personally, I'd probably just rather sit back and watch the game. But uh, the younger generation is very active and very participatory. And so it gives them a chance to be a part of it. And uh, you don't have to be a great fan to be able to play the game. You just have to have some knowledge of uh, of the pictures, the playbook that we present to you, and then p- pick out the plays you want to run. Uh, it's not very complicated. Uh, there is skill involved, uh, but then there's also uh, some luck. You're going to pick a play that maybe it's a pass down the field, and you're hopeful that uh, that player that you're throwing the ball to will decide to make that catch you want him to make. So uh, the human element is very much a part of this, which is missing in, obviously, those video games. And you've mentioned kind of the, you know, the times maybe changing and people wanting to be more participatory as we move forward here. And do you think this here could lead the way and eventually change the way we watch sports in the future? Do you think, you know, it'll have a major impact on the way fans maybe watch the games themselves and they might find the enjoyment in this that they decide, oh, we need to start adopting more sports to this kind of way? Well, I, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, I think people still want to sit back and watch a Michael Jordan play basketball or Brett Favre play football, um, uh, Big Poppy play baseball. So I think those elements, those great, great players are still going to be, uh, there's going to be a fan base that wants to watch them play. But uh, this does, you know, with fantasy football being um, uh, tremendous um part of uh, life over here in the States. And I don't know how it is over there in Ireland, uh, but in the States, fantasy football, picking your team and your players is such a big thing. Uh, this is kind of playing off of that just a little bit. And as we grow with this business, with this company, with this idea, you know, maybe there's an element of fantasy football in this as well, where uh, people can pick their teams, pick their players, and then also pick their plays. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned uh, fantasy football in America. It's 
growing especially with the games in the uk here each year it's growing absolutely dramatically and there's lots and lots of people like myself over here that do uh, weekly or multiple shows a week based on the nfl and fantasy football so it's just uh, growing dramatically and this is another interesting act uh, aspect of it if you want to find out more for the listeners they can check it out at yourcallfootball.com the game will be based from an app which you'll be able to download early in the spring but the best way to find out all the information is that website yourcallfootball.com so you mentioned there brett Favre, and i know with you being the head coach of the packers from 2000 to 2005 you had five consecutive winning seasons three divisional titles uh, and uh, brett Favre was obviously your qb there so what was it like uh, coaching brett i know I, I watched him for many years on the tv and i was sitting back and having a slice of pizza watching him but you were on the sideline uh, getting to coach him get to work with him in the locker room what uh, what was it like coaching brett Favre? well you know i was a young coach when i took over the packers and had never been a head coach before uh, he'd been a, a nfl or super bowl mvp and uh, had attained quite a bit by the time i got there so uh, felt very fortunate to be there. Uh, it was a situation that a, a player, a Pro Bowl player, a Hall of future Hall of Fame player like Brett Favre could have taken advantage of, but he never did. He he always was respectful. He practiced extremely hard. Um, he wasn't, believe it or not, I think people probably thought he was very vocal, but he wasn't vocal. He basically led by example. Um, the media would ask me after a game, boy, you know, they, they throw far through for a touchdown when he was going down to his right, almost on the ground, and he kind of threw it up and got it into Donald's driver's hands. Uh, have you ever seen anything like that before? And I, I'd have to comment, yeah, I, I see that in practice all the time. He, that's that's how he practices the game. He practices the game exactly how he plays. And, and so it really helped us as a team elevate our play because if the best player on your team is practicing as hard as he possibly can every single day, and even when he had injury to get out there on – one leg and still try to participate in practice, it sent a message to everybody else that this is how it's done. If the, the guy on the team that's the, the star player uh, puts this much into his work and into, into his position in football, then the rest of us ought to be following suit. So um, he brought a lot to the table that way with uh, leading by example and uh, always, always uh, going out to practice and, and never wasting a rep, always trying to make a play. Um, he enjoyed big plays in practice just as much as he enjoyed them in the game. Yeah, there was some uh, incredible big plays throughout Brett's uh, career, and you know he was pretty much an iron man in his time playing. Rarely ever uh, missed any games. But with Brett, is there any? Have you like a, a favorite moment or a favorite story that you you want to tell about uh, Brett? Well, I think my favorite story. Uh, you know, I know people probably want me to tell something funny that happened with him, and there there are numerous times those things occurred, but. Probably the very favorite story I have of Brett is we went out to Oakland uh, to play a Monday night football game, and we left uh, we left on a Friday uh, because it's a long trip, and so we it was a two day trip for us, and so we get out there on Saturday, and we had our meetings, and we had our walkthrough and whatnot, and uh, and uh, I guess he had snuck his golf clubs along with uh, Doug Peterson, who's now the head coach uh, at. Uh, at Philadelphia uh, onto, onto the plane. So after practice was over, um, those guys, uh, actually, um, went out and played a round of golf, um, which wasn't a problem, but I probably wouldn't have wanted them to do that at the time, you know, but, uh, they did. And the certain things the head coach doesn't know about, uh, just, just as well sometimes. So anyways, um, they were probably at 13, 14th hole. And, uh, Doug Peterson gets a call and 
uh, it's from Brett's wife, Diana, and, uh, and, t- and tells Doug that um, he, she can't get a hold of Brett, but uh, that Brett's dad uh, had passed away. And uh, so Doug had to relay that information to Brett. Brett, you know, obviously was very distraught and disturbed by the news. And they obviously quit playing golf, went back to the hotel, and uh, Brett went up into his room. And then I got a call from his agent uh, that told me the same thing. Uh, and by the time I get up to Brett's room, the word had passed throughout the hotel and there were numerous people in his room talking to him. And again, he was very emotional. His dad was his high school coach and had been everything uh, to him in relationship to football. And so uh, we, we cleared out the room and I talked to him and it was getting later and we were going to have a team meeting pretty quickly. And before you know it, um, I said to him, I said, hey, listen, if you want to go home, I everybody certainly understands uh, the situation. I mean, we were in a tough position because we had to win out to win the division, which we ended up doing. And we had just won our uh, last, uh, the last three, I believe last three games. And this was going to hopefully going to be our fourth one in a row. And, uh, we, I think we just played San Diego the week before, but anyways, he said, well, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do and uh, so forth and so on. I said, well, at the very least, can you come down and talk to the guys? They're all worried about you. They want to make sure you're okay. And, we got a meeting here at seven o'clock. So he said, yeah, I'll go down and talk to the guys. And so what happened was he went, we went down, when we walked in the meeting room and usually when you walk in an NFL meeting room, it's not, it's not real quiet unless you just lost a ball game, but uh, it's usually pretty noisy and raucous and so forth, but you could have heard a pin drop. Well, anyways, he gets up in the front and everybody's looking at him and he's, he's teary eyed, obviously. And he explains to everybody, he said, you know, uh, appreciate everybody's concerns and whatnot, but, uh, uh, you know, he talked about how much he, uh, he loved his dad and how important his dad was to him. And, and Brett never shared much personal stuff with anybody. So this is new. The players had never seen this side of him. And so for him to share something very personal about his relationship with his father was, was kind of unique. And then, um, he talked about how much he loved his teammates and they all about dropped dead because he wasn't really that type of player that would tell them that at any time in the past. And, uh, this is really the first time that he expressed how much he cared for everybody in that room, coaches and players alike. And, um, and then he talked about how much he loved the game of football and what it meant to him and what it brought him in his life. So, uh, and it, then he announced that he was going to play the game the next day. Uh, at that point. And, uh, you know, everybody surrounded him and, you know, told him they had his back and, you know, we'll win the game. Just, just, you know, don't worry about it and so forth and so on. Well, make a long story a little bit shorter. Um, you know, all the next day, Monday, uh, when we get to Monday, uh, you know, the media is painting a picture that Brett Farr is going to go out there and win this game for his dad. And so the, the pressure was mounting for him to go out and have a great game. And we all know that life doesn't always work out the way we would like it to, you know, and, if we were, he would have a picture perfect game and honor his father and life just doesn't, just doesn't deal those cards very often. And so we go through the day and it's a long, long day to get to Monday night. We get to the locker room and usually he's jacking around in the locker room and kind of making me upset because the younger players don't, you know, they can't handle it. He could handle it, but the younger players can't, but he was real quiet. I never seen him that quiet. His right foot was going up and down, you know, constantly. I went over and checked on him and, you know, I said, you okay? You're going to be okay to go. He said, yeah, I'll be all right. So then eventually we walked out on the field and 
Oakland Raider fans, uh, as you know, being a football fan, are, they're very different. You don't know what to expect. And, but we walked down that field, and he got a standing ovation like no other player ever got in Oakland. And uh, and there's tears coming down his eyes and my eyes and everybody else's eyes that they would acknowledge him and, and what he was going through, in spite of the fact that he was the opponent and the competitor of the day and so forth and so on. So. We get over on the sideline, we win the toss, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm going to keep the ball on the ground. I'm going to, you're not going to have to do much. Um, I'm going to give it to Amon Green as much as I can and, you know, take the pressure off of you. And he said, don't worry about it, just call it like you see it. And so we go out there, and and by halftime, I took him, I told him we were going to run it. He threw for 300 yards by the by the half. <laughs> and so, and, so and, and the amazing thing is, and this is why this is an amazing story, forget all the stuff I've already said. The, the amazing part is that he, his teammates made plays that day that I just never saw them make before. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, he was throwing balls up that could have been picked off and run back for touchdowns. And uh, his teammates somehow, some way managed to get their hands on the ball and get into the end zone. Uh, there were more amazing plays by players. Everybody made a big deal about Brett and how, what a great game he played and he did under the circumstances, but his teammates really rose to the occasion and uh, took care of him that day. And I think that was probably the greatest demonstration I've ever seen of teammates rallying behind a player that was going through a very difficult time. And when they said they had his back, they meant it. And, um, and they took care of him that day where, you know, he ends up, you know, honoring his dad with a great game, which, you know, very seldom was the, those story tales come out that way. And, uh, but it did that day, and um, and it, it was a very special game. And I think he would tell you of all the games he's played in, playoffs, Super Bowl, um, you know, Packer Bear, Packer Viking games, I would think he would say that game in Oakland that Monday night was probably one of his favorites. Yeah, and that, that game, you know, it's been re, retold in uh, Packers folklore, and it's one of the best uh, overall performances uh, by a Packers team. You mentioned some of the plays being made by his, you know, wide receivers and uh, the running backs in that game. Just a, an incredible performance overall, and uh, one that I think they'll just uh, live forever in uh, Packers fans' memory. A, a absolutely fantastic uh, story there. And you're somebody as well who has had experience as a, the offensive coordinator and, of course, the head coach. And there's a lot of different challenges involved between the two of those. We've seen this season. Kyle Shanahan maybe have some struggles as he's uh, moved from that position having such success with the Atlanta Falcons last year now with the 49ers what are some of the the biggest challenges you faced as you went from offensive coordinator to head coach how does uh, that uh, differ you know in the the role overall well the hard part is when you get hired and and you're an offensive coach you know they're hiring you uh, a lot of times for what you did on offense so it's very difficult to let go of that in transition and to just be in a, the head coach. And, uh, uh, when I was in green Bay, I actually was, uh, you know, uh, I started out, I, I had an assist, uh, coordinator that called the plays, but then he had a heart problem that I ended up calling the place. But, uh, while I was a head coach and the general manager, and there was, that was a lot on, on my plate at the time. Um, but it, you know, a lot of head coaches do call the plays if they're offensive coaches. Uh, it is a challenge because that takes up a lot of time uh, in the context of a week. And then during the game, you have a tendency, obviously, uh, to prepare for the next series and talk to your offensive players uh, while the defense is on the field so you can get caught a little bit if there's a penalty or a decision needs to be made and you're over there talking to your quarterback or your receivers or your offensive line coach. 
So it's a challenge. Uh, you know, if I had to do it all over again, every place I've been, I've always been the offensive coordinator slash head coach uh, for most of the time. Um, it, is a, it is a huge challenge to be able to manage all that stuff. So, you know, I think it probably does work out better, kind of like Coach Belichick, where I think he's very involved in the offense. He's very involved in the defense. He's very involved in the special teams. But uh, he doesn't have ownership of, of anyone. Someone else is in charge of those uh, uh, those sides of the ball, and, and they take care of it for him. But he certainly has his input as well. Yeah, he's kind of managing the three facets of the game. He's overlooking it, but he has other people then under him doing the the rest of the kind of the really uh, and and their work. And um, I think that is probably as we've seen with Belichick and his time in New England, it's uh, probably the right formula that a lot of teams should be trying to follow. Uh, back in twenty fifteen, May twenty fifteen, and up until this year, you were the head coach of the the Nosset Regional High School, and. Uh, Obviously, there's big difference in managing high school and managing the NFL. Was there anything maybe that you learned from coaching, you know, kids or young adults rather than coaching in the NFL? Was there any messages that you were able to take away from that different environment? Yeah, when I when I left Miami uh, the Dolphins as you know, as the offense coordinator, and my wife had 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 enough of moving around the country and different jobs, and so we just ended up going to Cape Cod, which is. If you really think about, it, we're not that far. We're just a, a boat trip over there to Ireland. If you want, if you ever want, <laughs> okay. oh, back this way. Yeah, go for a fashion trip. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But uh, I was asked numerous times if I'd do the, if I'd coach this high school team. This high school team is on the National Seashore, uh, which was created by President John F. Kennedy years and years ago, back in the '60s, and it's really the only high school on a National Seashore. And we have, there's a lighthouse. There's a, you know, that's when they talk about the sharks on the shores of Cape Cod. This, that's exactly where they are, looming in the water, eating up all those seals and and whatnot. But um, you know, going back to high school was quite a challenge for me, and uh, I wanted to keep coaching, but I couldn't. You know, they don't have a professional team here on Cape Cod that would that would work with me. So this this is what I end up doing. And uh, you know, part of the you know, it's funny. We one time we were playing a, a team in the Boston area and. Cardinal Spellman was is a Catholic school and and we're you know we were a little bit late getting on the bus because I did a little walk through I'm a, I'm a guy that always liked to dot my eyes and cross my T's and so um, we get on the bus and we're getting up into that Boston traffic and I just was very frustrated and I was seeing why it was taking so long to get to the game I thought we were going to be late and um, I just can't figure it out then I realized you know every professional and college game that I'd ever coached in, we always had a police escort. And then high school, <laughs> you know, they don't, you don't quite get that privilege of having a police escort to be able to go through red lights and around cars and this, that, and the other. So uh, that made me realize that I was no longer in the big time and I was, I was in the high school, but uh, the, the high school was, was, was very rewarding. Uh, it gave me a chance to give back. You know, I've been very fortunate in my career to do a lot of things at a lot of great places. And, and the high school afforded me that opportunity to give back to to my profession and to kids and, you know, try to teach them uh, how to handle adversity. You know, we didn't win a bunch of games. Uh, we were, we had very few numbers. A lot of the kids on our teams, you know, Cape Cod is a resort area for the most part. There's 5.2 million people vacation here, but only about 225,000 live on the Cape year round. And there's numerous high schools that, service those kids but we only had about 30 kids on the team and so it was very very difficult um uh, to, to sustain any success rate um at the high school so i had to be able to handle that 
And, you know, we weren't doing very well. So I finally, you know, I was kind of getting a little upset like I would if it was in the NFL of college. I finally realized these kids better have some fun or they're going to have a wasted experience here. So we kind of changed up how we did things and made it a little bit more fun for them and try to teach them lessons about how to, how you handle adversity that comes up in your life and how to accept challenges and, and how to, you know, how to grind through the daily process of uh, when things aren't going your way. So but we had a couple lessons in that. Uh, and uh, so I'd say that's probably what I, I brought out of it the most. Yeah, so you've you've seen kind of all aspects of the game from all the way from the the younger age group through to the the highest level of the professional game. And uh, but looking at today's NFL, is there any uh, players or teams in particular that you enjoy sitting down on a, a Sunday to to watch? Well, I still enjoy watching uh, Green Bay and uh, Aaron Rodgers was there when I was there, so it's fun to watch him and what he brings to the game. I'm saddened by the fact that he uh, he has the uh, collarbone injury that's keeping him out of play and you certainly can see the impact he has on on that team when people talk about well how much money these guys make but when you really think about the impact he has in that team where he really makes their offense better their defense better and their special teams better just by how he plays the game so um you know he's somebody that i like to watch obviously i like to watch tom brady i mean he is uh just so so much uh detail and efficiency and timing and um, anticipation. I don't think I've seen anything quite like the efficiency of which he plays the game. So um, I'd say those two players, more than any others, I think really have drawn my eye. Yeah, and uh, Brady obviously has uh, you know ability to, ability to adapt over time has been incredible. Uh, you mentioned as well there Aaron Rodgers, and obviously Rodgers has the collarbone injury. There's a possibility he could return in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, protect, really, it, it'll be a case if the Packers are still in playoff contention if they activate him from IR. But if you were in this, were you ever in that situation as a, a head coach where you had a player who maybe was you know wanting to get back uh, from an injury, but you were afraid then of his long term future? Similarly with Aaron Rodgers this year, say if the team have a chance to make the playoffs and he come back and re-injured that collarbone. Have you ever had that concern with a player? Well, you know, fortunately for me, I, I always had as a quarterback, I always had, and that's the player that impacts the game the most more than likely. Uh, I always had Brad Favre and he always, he always played, you know, and uh, uh, he was the a true Ironman uh, in the National Football League. And uh, there were even times when, you know, during the course of a game, he might have come out of the game and couldn't return. I mean, one time he's he sprained his. Uh, he either turned. He might have sprained his ACL or his high ankle and stuff like that. And and he ended up finishing the game. But then he was coming off the field, and the doctors were saying, "Well, he'll be out next week." And I said, "Well, that if you tell me he's out next week, that means he's going to have the best game he's ever had, uh, and he'll be playing because you you can't tell him he's going to. He can't do something. The minute you tell him he can't do something, if you tell him you can't hit the goalpost fifty yards out with this football, he's going to stay there till he does it. So, I mean, that's just the way he was. Um, so I never really had to lose a player of, of that statute that uh, and Aaron Rodgers is. And, um, and I can't remember of ever losing anybody and having to make that decision uh, later on whether to play them or not. And uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun. I'm going to put you on the spot now as we uh, finish up. Obviously, uh, the reason everyone plays in the NFL is to win that Vince Lombardi trophy at the end of the year. So we're, we're moving now uh, briskly towards the uh, the playoff scenario. The picture's becoming a little bit clearer. Uh, have you anyone in mind that you think could be winning it all when we get to February? Maybe I'm going to, I'm going to counter it by saying outside of the New England Patriots. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's, I'm glad you did that because that was probably <laughs> what I would pick. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm very impressed. Uh, I'm very impressed with um, the, the LA Rams. Uh, they're they have really done a good job. I know they uh, lost here lately, but uh, they have a very good defense. Um, they have a young quarterback who's exceeding expectations. Good receiving core, good running back. So, um, you know, they're. I don't know if they can get to the Super Bowl, but uh, and obviously the, the uh, they would have a ways to go. But uh, they're a team that has impressed me. Uh, uh, my son Lars is also on the team, which I guess makes me favor that just a little bit. My daughter's out there in LA with three children and one on the way. So uh, uh, I guess I look at them a little bit and see the, the success that they have with their defense and then how they've managed. A young head coach, Coach McVay, has done a phenomenal job with that team. So uh, that'd be one. That'd be one group. And then Philadelphia really has done a, a very, very good job. Uh, Doug Peterson was a backup to Brett Favre, uh, and uh, most recently, to be honest with you, he coached high school football. And then he went to and to Philly as with Andy Reid as kind of a quality control guy. Then went to Kansas City, then came back. So he's done a phenomenal job. So you know, maybe it's the Patriots and. Uh, Philadelphia in the Super Bowl, uh, two two teams, two teams as close to Ireland as you can get, <laughs> and it's going to be interesting too with the two very young quarterbacks in both those rosters to see how they can handle that pressure when it comes to the end of the season. But two teams that you have a, a close uh, network to there with Doug Peterson, obviously, and uh, your son-in-law as well. So it's going to be interesting. You'll have a hopefully a rooting uh, interest as we get. Maybe the Packers make a little bit of a run at it. We'll see. Maybe you do get to, to cheer on somebody in the Super Bowl this year. But Mike, I have to say it's been an absolute pleasure as we talked uh, some about uh, your time in the NFL, the high school stuff, and of course yourcallfootball.com but it's going to be something that's going to be interesting this spring as we get into 2018 but I have to say it's been a, an absolute pleasure thank you very much well, thank you and uh, all my friends out in Ireland tell them I said hi so once again thanks to you Mike for uh, coming aboard the show obviously as a Packers fan it was a lot of fun talking with him and obviously with your call football coming up in the spring of 2018 I'm interested to see how it goes I think it's going to be a very very intriguing uh, proposition as you watch the games and a kind of a mixture of uh, Madden a mixture of you know fantasy football a mixture of everything coming together and giving you the option to have a little bit of a say and kind of bringing a little bit more of reality TV to uh, the American football circuit so we'll see how that goes and of course you can check that out at yourcallfootball.com but with all that done and I mentioned the links and the ways to help the podcast at the start of the show be sure to check them out on overtimeireland.com as well you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and of course you can subscribe to the show and uh, come back on a weekly basis my guest this week on the OTI fantasy football side of things was Matt Kelly you'll know him from the Roto Underworld or Player Profiler and uh, you can follow him too at Fantasy underscore Mansion on Twitter he's always a lot of fun to interact with but that show was recorded on Friday and this one's coming out on Saturday before week 13 so check out both shows of course if you're listening to this one head over listen to that one with Matt a lot of good information and a lot of a lot of fun conversation so with all that said and everything done everything wrapped up done and dusted enjoy your week 13 and until I'm back with another show next week have a good one Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.